It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. EK65 went off the boards behind the net. They're stick handling smoothly. It's Alexander Baramanov over to the near side to the circle. He moves up to the point. He throws to the right. Magna keeps it at almost a dead giveaway. Across the ice, the shark star! Magna spotted a man wide open on the far side of the ice. That's Eric Carlson. And EK65 slams it home on the first shot toward the net. The Sharks are up 1-0 at the 44-second mark of the first period. Cleared out by Magna as the goaltender is leaving for the extra attacker. Bucks going toward the empty net, but Kaprizov will get to it first. Kaprizov loses on the check to LeBanc. LeBanc shoots. He scores! What a play. Great play by Kevin LeBanc to steal the puck from Kirill Kaprizov and snap one from the right wing sideboards up into the top part of the net. And Kevin LeBanc seals the deal with 13.5 seconds left in the third. It's the Sharks 5 and the wild too. Well, we've seen that in the past. It's not like this has been a one-shot wonder here. So we haven't seen the last few games. So you know, we've uh, we've talked throughout the first 34 games that we've had games like this. We've had stretches like this. Uh, it's the consistency that we've got to try to bottle. And the thing I really liked tonight was. You know, we managed the puck extremely well. I thought our third, we managed the lead very well. There was just a lot to like about our game. And uh, I'm just really proud of them and happy for them, you know, to, it was a tough two games. You know, you get the point in LA and you come back and not really happy with not only the results, but the way we played against Calgary and, you know, to face a really good team the way we did tonight and play the way we did and get the result we did. It's uh, very satisfying. All right, happy holidays, everyone, and welcome as we get ready for more Sharks hockey. We had a couple days off, and the Sharks coming off of one of their most convincing wins of the year. It was a game where everything went right. You got the early goal from Eric Carlson. Noah Gregor was able to get the Sharks the lead after they had seen it get tied up by Minnesota, a team who, entering the game, was red hot. And then you had Timo Meyer, Oscar Lindblom, Kevin LeBanc with the empty netter. The Sharks played very well defensively. They contested passes. They did a good job of blocking shots. They really did everything well. That was one of the things that I appreciated so much out of that game was they did the little things really, really well. And now they have a challenge against a Vancouver team that's trying to live up to what they did one year ago. They've had a rough go in the first half of the season, but They've won six out of their last ten. You feel like Vancouver does has the, have the ability to turn a corner. For more on that subject, we are now joined by the radio play-by-play announcer of the Vancouver Canucks. It is Brendan Batchelor. Brendan, happy holidays. How are you doing, man? Good to see you. I'm doing well. Happy holidays to you and to your listeners, too. Thank you. Um, you know, I guess they uh, wanted to fit as many... Sharks and Canucks games into a short amount of time, uh, you know, <laughs> between November and December is possible. Um, but I guess just big picture, what more have you been le- learning about the Canucks as of late? Because I think that, you know, there, there have been some stories going around, trade rumors that have gone around. Like, wh- where are you on, on this team right now? 
Yeah, it's kind of hard to pinpoint because they're so inconsistent that you don't really know what team you're going to get on a night-to-night basis. They have had really good performances. They won back-to-back games going into the holiday break, including a, a, a pretty good, uh, you know, total team game in a win in Edmonton on the 23rd. But then they will also have games where they they don't play very well and they don't start well and they get behind early and they can't battle back or they have games where they blow leads or they have games where they overcome leads, mm-hmm. uh, overcome deficits and come back and win games. So they're kind of a hard team to pinpoint. I think what really has characterized the first part of their season has been a lack of consistency. And it's something that if they want to have a hope of climbing back into the playoff race, they need to find a way to be more consistent or to get on a pretty good run where they can win seven or eight games in a row. Because right now they're at 500 coming out of the holiday break. They sit six points back of Calgary going into the game tonight against the Sharks. And, you know, that's really what it would take to put them back in that conversation. It's just they can't really string more than two or three wins together at a time with the way they've been playing this season. I know that one of the easy arguments to make has been on the defense and what, what, and not just the blue liners, but what specifically have you been seeing and maybe why is it not what we saw towards the second half of last year, which was a, a much improved defensive squad. Yeah. Well, I think what happened last year is that Thatcher Demko covered up for a lot of their defensive issues. So, you know, They have been worse defensively this year than they were last year. I think that's fair. But Demko had such a tremendous stretch, uh, you know, toward the end of last season that, you know, it kind of papered over some of those cracks in terms of their defensive play. Well, this season, Demko wasn't as strong at the start of the year, and then he got hurt. And so Spencer Martin, who, you know, coming into this year, didn't have very many NHL games to his name, Mm -hmm has been thrust into a starting role. Um, and and this is a group that, again, not just with their defensemen, but with their team defense, they've struggled at times this year and, and throughout most of their games. You know, when you look at their record in terms of when they win, generally speaking, they've got to score four or more goals to win games. And if they, they don't, then they're giving up too many goals uh, to allow them to win. So you're right. It's not all on the defenseman. I think, you know, team defense starts in the neutral zone in terms of preventing other teams from having a strong transition game and, and being able to attack your blue line with speed. And the Canucks forwards haven't been very effective at that either. So teams are attacking their zone with speed. They're able to create off the rush. And then on top of that, the Canucks haven't been very good at breaking up the cycle in zone and mm-hmm. clearing the puck, which means they get hemmed in for long shifts in their defensive end. They get worn down, and they either give up goals in those scenarios or they take penalties, and they've got one of the worst penalty kills in the league, which means they give up power play goals. So it's kind of all of those things co- combined that have led to being to, to the Canucks being a team that concedes a ton of goals and a ton of high-quality chances in the games that they play. Yeah, and but what's interesting, though, is they do have these games where they look so complete and so capable. I mean, it d- is there a feel that a corner could be turned or to some of the other rumblings that are out there on the trade market? Is that maybe making guys a little bit tentative? Is it a distraction? Or do you just think that, you know, it's that's, that's what the NHL is? There's always chatter. 
Oh, I think they do have it in them to be more consistent than they have been. They just haven't been able to execute to that level this season. And it's kind of a mystery as to why that is, because as you alluded to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pretend they were an elite defensive team down the stretch last season, but they played well enough defensively and got good enough goaltending to have a bunch of wins and have a really good record after Bruce Boudreaux arrived as the head coach mm-hmm. and put themselves back into the playoff conversation. And for whatever reason, that consistency hasn't been there this year. I think a large part of it might be to do with the fact that their record on home ice has really not been very good. Yeah. And, you know, the fans have kind of been on them from the start of the season on home ice. They had a really bad game in their home opener after going on a season opening road trip where they didn't win. And there were fans throwing jerseys on the ice and booing them out of the building in their very first home game of the year. And that's not me criticizing the fans because they did have a dreadful start to the season. And generally speaking, they haven't played well inside Rogers Arena. But part of me wonders if the pressure of playing in a Canadian market where expectations are so high and the fans do get on them when they don't play well has kind of contributed to them struggling on home ice. And, you know, in a, in a league like the NHL, if you can't play well on home ice, then you're not going to be a consistent team. And to me, I, I wonder if that's part of the reason that they haven't been able to find the level of consistency that maybe they did last year down the stretch where the fans, you know, gave them a little bit more leeway mm-hmm. because they had a new coach and there were lower expectations on this group after the way they had started last season. Well, you talk about expectations, and one of the things that Bruce Boudreaux said in the offseason would something do the effect of it'll be a disaster if we don't make the playoffs. Does Bruce wish that he didn't say that now, or does he still firmly stand in that camp? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's where the expectations were, not just for the organization, but outside of the organization coming into the year based on some of the moves that they had made in the offseason and the way that they played down the stretch last year. They brought in Ilya Mikheyev as a free agent forward that actually has had a pretty good year here for the team, even though as a group they've struggled a bit. Uh, And they added Andrei Kuzmenko, another high-profile Russian free agent who has been good offensively for for this team. And, you know, with the way they played down the stretch last year and the goaltending they got from Demko, there was no reason to believe that this team couldn't at least have a chance at being a playoff team coming into the year. It's just that that defensive consistency that maybe they had to a certain extent last year hasn't been there. And then the goaltending absolutely hasn't been there. If you look at their goaltenders, you know, and compare them to the numbers that Demko was putting up for them down the stretch last year, it's night and day, and it's a big reason why they're losing games. So, you know, could they find more consistency? Could one of their goaltenders get on a heater here and give them a chance? Absolutely, that could be the case. But, you know, circling back to something you mentioned earlier as well, the trade rumors around this team won't go away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, their captain, Bo Horvat, is a pending unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. And he's having a tremendous year. He's one of the leading goal scorers in the league. And they haven't been able to come to a a contract with him yet. And reports out there in the media are that the two sides are very far apart and that it looks like they may be headed towards moving him out before the deadline. So in, in a scenario like that, where 
you might have to trade your leading goal scorer mm-hmm. and your captain away before March, that's going to weigh on guys, and it's going to weigh on this team's ability to get back into the playoff race as well. Now, looking at the previous games these two teams have played this year, it has been uh, pretty entertaining, to say the least. Um, obviously, you know, going to overtime and having, you know, some pretty pretty fun battles. What are you expecting to see tonight? Yeah, probably the same, because not only have these teams played high-scoring games against each other, but they're both coming off three days off the ice, mm-hmm. which means, you know, when you haven't been able to practice, you've been away enjoying you know, the holiday time with your family, there'll be a little bit of rust there. And I know people might, you know, be listening saying, oh, you know, three days away, how bad can it be? For guys that practice and play, you know, most every day, you know, these teams on average get, what, one day off a week, maybe, but otherwise they're practicing and playing. Yeah. Three days is is a long time to go without putting your skates on and stepping on the ice, even for a practice. So, on top of the fact that these are two teams that have played high-scoring back-and-forth games, they also might have a bit of rust from being off the ice. So I think it could be a really fun high-scoring affair tonight in Vancouver, and, and we'll see which team can come out ahead at the end of the night. Yeah, from the Sharks' perspective, it'll be very interesting because you were alluding to the trouble on home ice that Vancouver has had. And, you know, there's only two teams worse in the Pacific. That is the... Ducks with five wins and the Sharks with four wins at home. But actually, the Sharks, uh, when they're away, they've actually been pretty decent in a you know somewhat way that mirrors what we've seen from Vancouver. They're seven, eight, and one, and I know that's nothing to be you know overly proud about. But the Sharks, you know, they they can play well you know away from home better than at home. So it, it will be interesting. And I always you know I always look and see if teams get a little bit sick of each other because this will be the third time in you know, just a little <laughs> over a month's time that these teams will be playing each other. You, know, you just wonder if they'll be a, a little hot when they go against each other. I always think that's part of the fun. Yeah, and you know, it, it certainly could be. Of course, they're divisional rivals, so guys that have been on these teams for a few years will be very familiar with each other anyway. Uh, so on top of you know, potentially a, a high-scoring back-and-forth game, uh, there could be some, some extra emotion in it too. So, you know, which could be a good thing for the mm-hmm. two teams, because if there's emotion in the game, it probably helps you re-engage after being away for a few days. So, um, you know, regardless of what happens, I think it'll be entertaining tonight. Let's put it that way. I, I miss looking back at, uh, when these two teams met in the playoffs, like, do you think about instances like that? You would hope that they can both be progressing in that direction because that, that was a lot of fun. Absolutely it was. And, you know, the I think back particularly to the, the Western Conference Final in 2011 uh, when the Canucks ultimately won in overtime and went on to the Stanley Cup Final, and that's one of the most memorable series mm-hmm. in the history of the Canucks franchise. So, you know, for both of these teams that, that right now are sort of in transition and trying to get back to being the kinds of teams that they were, you know, 10, 12 years ago, and certainly more recently in the case of the Sharks, uh, than, than of, of the Canucks. But, um, you know, it doesn't mean that they can't play entertaining hockey at the same time, and I'm sure we'll see that tonight. You just got to see Seattle in person, and this is a team that I did not expect to be this successful. You know, having 40 points, you know, at the Christmas break, that is much, much better than I expected from them. Do you think they're for real? Because, you know, if, if you had asked me at the start of the year, and I think we probably had this discussion, we probably both said Calgary, Edmonton, 
then maybe LA and we'd have to see what happens with Vegas because they had a high ceiling. But Seattle seems to be right there just kind of giving the middle finger to everyone saying like, hey, year two, we're here to disrupt everything. Yeah, I, I do think the way that Seattle's playing is sustainable. And it's interesting because they don't have that many changes from their roster last year that struggled so mightily. But I think they've had a few additions that have been really key for them. First of all, the rookie, Matty Veneers, uh, who at last check, for me anyway, was leading NHL rookies in scoring mm-hmm. and is probably the, uh, you know, the, the, the front runner to win the Calder Trophy at this point. I think he's sort of added an offensive dimension to that team that they didn't have because I always thought Seattle was deep. I just didn't think they had the top-end talent to compete with the McDavid's and, you know, Jonathan Huberdeau now in this division, Elias Pettersson in Vancouver, uh, Eric Carlson in, in San Jose, whoever you want to pick. I didn't really see that one superstar player on Seattle, and it feels like Matty Beneers has the capability of being that kind of player. But they just play with speed, and they're relentless, and they have four lines that can grind you. And for, you know, a team that you know, obviously had such a tough year last year. It feels like they kind of found an identity, a way that they want to play, and they're just playing to that identity and having success doing it. So, you know, I I agree. I would have essentially coming into the year said, you know, I think I always thought Vegas would have a resurgent year, so I'm not entirely surprised at how good they've been. I thought Calgary and Edmonton would both be better than they have been. I thought L.A. would be in the mix. And, and I wouldn't have really considered Seattle as a, a contender to be a playoff team at all. But with the way they play, you know, I'm more surprised if they miss the playoffs now than if they make it, just based on, you know, the viewings that I've had of the way that they play and the consistency with which they able seem to be able to, to stick to the identity that they found as a team. Yeah, and I think that's what, on my end, makes things so confounding for me when I look at the Canucks because I do look at the quality wins that the team has had against a Vegas against a Calgary who I still think Calgary will figure things out and be very very good and I'm sure you've seen it as well you've looked at these high quality wins and then watched some other ones where you probably just kind of you know shook your head and said you know I (laughs) I don't know (laughs) this was not what I expected yeah well and you know when I talk about Seattle having an identity of being a fast team being able to get in on the forecheck, being able to, you know, use that speed to their advantage in transition and create offense off the rush. The Canucks identity this year has been not having an identity in that they look so wildly different from game to game, where they look like they can be an elite offensive team some games. They look like they can shut you down defensively some games. And then other games, they got caught running around in their own zone. They turn the puck over in bad areas of the ice to give other teams grade A scoring opportunities. And it really is, you know, a roll of the dice as to which team you're going to get on a night-to-night basis. So, you know, that to me has been Vancouver's biggest issue is they their identity is that you don't know what they're going to be. And that's a problem when consistency is king in a league like the NHL. Brendan, always a pleasure chatting it up with you. Have a great call tonight. Be sure to give Dan Rusinowski a hard time when you see him, and I'm sure I'll be bugging you again soon. All right, man? Sounds good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, and again, best of the holiday season to you and all your listeners. 
Again, that was Brendan Batchelor, the radio play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. We are out of time. Join us at 6.30 for live pregame coverage as we get set for tonight's matchup against the Canucks. And then game time, of course, is at 7. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.